Hey, I'm really excited about next Sunday. The title of the message is, Who is Jesus? And I think it is the most important question that we need to be able to answer in our lives. And we're going to look at that next week. And I'm trusting God that there are going to be a lot of folks whose lives will be transformed next week because we're going to define who Jesus really is. And so I'm hoping that you'll really get excited about Easter, that you'll be praying expectantly on the staff. We've been praying expectantly that God would do a mighty work, that the folks that are coming here on Easter Sunday would really have a life change. Not only would we see people give their lives to Christ for the first time, but we're trusting God that he will make him really Lord of their lives because there's a lot of nominal Christian people who come to church on Easter Sunday that just need to understand that this is a journey. This is an opportunity for me to be a true follower of Jesus. So pray with me about that. It's called Who is Jesus? And I hope that God will use that message next Sunday in a powerful way. Well, if you haven't figured it out by now, we're talking about judging this morning, and this is another one of the message of the masters based upon the Sermon on the Mount. And this morning, we're talking, the title of the message is called Walking Off the Plank. And uh, I wonder if you realize that in a recent survey, 90% of 16 to 29-year-olds say Christians are basically too judgmental. Do you, have you found that to be true? Uh, these are a lot of the millennial generation who feel like that we are intolerant, we're too judgmental. And really, it's unfortunate because in our culture today, the media has really characterized us a lot of those conservative Christians as being intolerant and judgmental and therefore hypocritical. Now, you may say to yourself, I'm not a judgmental person. Well, let me give you some examples of whether you are or aren't this morning. Um, most of us would say no, but let me give you these examples. It says this, you see somebody completely tatted up. What's your first thought? Um, just got out of prison. <laughs> somebody completely tatted up. Uh, you see somebody homeless at the square. What's your first impression? You see somebody who's really obese or temperance overweight. What are your thoughts there? Uh, when you see somebody pull up on a Harley, what's your first thought? I like that. That's fine. I prefer a BMW, frankly, but that's okay. When you see somebody driving a new Porsche or Mercedes, what's your first thought? (laughs) I feel the same way. When you see two gay people walking down the street, what's your first thought? When you see a Muslim woman wearing a burqa, what do you think then? There are many times where I get in a line when I was traveling in the airport and I would see somebody in a burqa or somebody who looked Middle Eastern. You know what was my first thought? Oh, there's a potential terrorist, right? What do you think about when a JW or Mormon missionary knocks on your door? What comes to your mind when you see Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton? Okay, no groans here, all right? You see, we often judge for two reasons, and here are the two reasons that I think we often judge wrongly and what Jesus is really trying to keep us from. The first one is there's an imbalance of justice over love. A lot of times we think very black and white, and instead of talking about grace and truth, we just have truth. And so we have this imbalance in our lives of being really black and white. And so consequently, we're just so about justice, we're so about right and wrong that we oftentimes find ourselves judging other people and their motives. Secondly, the second reason why we uh, find ourselves uh, judgmental is that we're just basically insecure people. 
uh, we need to feel better about ourselves. And so consequently, when we judge somebody else and we can put somebody else down, it makes us feel a little bit better about ourselves, right? And so we're constantly comparing and contrasting our lives to other people. And so that's why we oftentimes judge and we do that out of often insecurity. Well, we're going to go to the text this morning, and it's found in, J- in Matthew chapter 7. And I'd like to read it to you because I've never read, read this text before and connected the part about prayer that goes along with that text in, chap- in verse 7. So I'm going to read the whole text, and you're going to see something hopefully new this morning that I discovered myself. So let's read it. It says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You, have, you hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So, in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. That whole passage of Scripture, I think Jesus meant to really remind us about getting the plank out of our own eye. He's not saying that we should never judge, but there's a different kinds of judgment that I'd like to explain to you this morning, and I would call that sacred judgment. See, we can have opinions, we can make evaluations of people, but it's got to be done based upon what he's saying here without the plank in our eye. So he said your first priority, rather than judging somebody unrighteously, Uh, whether it's due out of our own security again or out of an imbalance, he's saying, I want you to judge. You can do that. You can evaluate. You can assess. You can make those decisions. But by golly, you better get the blindness out of your own eye. You better get the plank out of your eye. So the first principle that I'd like to share with you this morning is that judging with a plank in our own eye will result in a reciprocal judgment from the Lord. He says in verse 2, Or you too will be judged, for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. In other words, what God is saying, you start judging other people with a plank in your eye, what goes around comes around. You're going to get the same kind of judgment from me and probably from other people. You're reaping what you're sowing when you sow judgment in the wrong uh, frame of mind. In verse 3, he says, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Now, the plank in our own eye really implies here that there is a blind spot. And principle number two here is every one of us has blind spots that need to be revealed. So he's saying, listen, you need to be careful because when you're out there evaluating and assessing and judging, you may have a blind spot in your own life that needs to get fixed. And until you get that fixed, you have no right to start judging other people or assessing and evaluating what they're thinking. 
So that's really a critical component, he's saying. You're going to be judged the way, uh, the way you judge others. And if you do it wrongly, if you do it with the wrong spirit, you're going to have that come back and bite you. Verse 5 says, you hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. You see, he's saying, it's not that you can't remove the, help, remove the speck in your brother's eye, but you've got to get the plank out first. You've got to deal with this. You remember what Jesus said to the Pharisees? He said, you what? You blind guides. You Pharisees. You hypocrites. See, they had plank after plank in their eye. They were totally blind to their own arrogance, to their own pride, to their own inconsistencies. And oftentimes, we too are blind to our own inconsistencies. We don't see things sometimes as as God sees them. So blind spots. Principle number three here is removing a speck should be a very delicate process then. If we are going to judge, and I call this sacred judgment. If we're going to judge, we need to do it sacredly. And what does that look like? Well, if you were to go to the eye doctor, and maybe some of you have experienced this. We've had a little piece of metal in your eye or something that was really stuck in your eye. And you needed to go to an eye doctor because if you started messing with it, you could easily scratch your cornea. And so when you go to the eye doctor, it's a very delicate process. It's a very fine process with great precision, with great care. Those things are taken out of your eye. Otherwise, it could do permanent damage. Well, God describes this kind of surgery, if you will, that you can do on other people. If you want to get this speck out of somebody else's eye, you do it with sacred judgment. What does that look like? In Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, this is what it says. It says, brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual, what he's saying here, you with the plank out of your eye should restore him, how? Gently. You go to that person and you do it very carefully very precisely with great love and humility. It's not like you ram something down their throats and and get in their face and be highly confrontational. He says, do it gently with humility. And there are going to be times, he goes on to say, when you do that. In verse 6, he says this, Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn you into pieces. See, what he's saying here is that there are going to be times where you are going to try to confront people with very sacred judgment. You're going to go to people and you're going to confront them in a loving, gentle, humble way. Your whole reason for doing that is to bring restoration and reconciliation in that person's life. But he says there are going to be times where you're going to run up against somebody who just doesn't want to listen, who just doesn't want to respond. They're just not in a good place. They're rebellious. They're they're not being uh, willing to look at their own life. And so he says principle number four, there may be times that you offer sacred judgment that will be met with total resistance. And he says those kinds of people will turn on you. Oftentimes what happens is when you go to those kinds of people that are in total rebellion and are not willing to listen, when you go to them with a confrontation or with an issue in their life, they'll turn on you and they'll start complaining and and, and getting back at you and doing whatever they can to resist the truth that you're trying to share with them. So in those kinds of situations, what I think the Lord is saying here, he's saying you need to understand that when there is a confrontation, when you need to help get a speck out of a brother's eye, that you need to... Be wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove. We need to be careful because there are some people, no matter what you say, it's like casting pearls before swine. They're not going to respond. 
It's frustrating, it's difficult, but they're not really willing to listen. And so bottom line is you, sometimes you have to shake the dust off of your feet and move on. But that's what I think Jesus is trying to say here. He's saying, listen, there, is time, there are going to be times where you can evaluate a person's behavior. Now, it's difficult for, some to, for us to really evaluate a person's heart. That's where we've got to really be careful when it comes to judging, right? Because only God sees the person's heart. We were just studying on the staff here at Cornerstone a book called Crucial Conversations. It's a great book. And this week, one of the chapters we looked at was that people have a story. And sometimes the story that they make up in their own mind based upon what somebody else does can be a very tainted story because we're assessing people's motivations and hearts, right? And so you conjure up this story, right? And you write this story in your mind and you've got it all figured out based upon your emotional response because all you can, you're judging their motivations rather than just understanding what their behavior is. And there's a big difference. So Jesus looks at all of this and he says, listen, There are going to be times where it's okay to judge, but you need to do it with sacred judgment. You need to do it gently, and you need to do it as a spiritual person getting the plank out of your own eye. Now, the question is, how do we do that? How do we get there? Well, he gives the formula, I think, for how we get there in verse 7. And I've never connected the verse 7 and 8 and 9 through 12, or 7 through 12 before to the concept of getting the plank out of your own eye. We've always referred to this particular passage, ask, seek, and knock, as a way that we just pray. If we ask, we seek, we knock, we're going to get what we want. And it almost becomes a little bit of a prosperity kind of message. You know, if you ask and you seek and you knock, you're going to get what you want. But he's saying now, contextually, what this passage is saying is, if you want to get the log out of your own eye, you need to what? Ask, seek, and knock. That's a new concept. Let me tell you why. When we ask somebody for something, it implies, number one, humility and need. It start, always starts with humility. If we're going to get the blind spots out of our own eyes, we've got to start by asking. Asking requires humility. It recognizes that I have a need. When you ask somebody for something, it's obvious that you don't necessarily have the answer. And so what you're saying to that person, I respect you, I honor you, God, I I, want to know because I need to understand what this blind spot is in my life. In other words, what David said, search me what? Oh God, I know my heart and see if there be any wicked way in me. He said, listen, I'm not, I don't see everything in my life, God. And so I want to ask you if there's something in my life, if there's a plank, then who better than God do we ask, right? But if we don't ask, we'll never get an answer. So we got to ask. Make sense? I want to know what sin is lying deep within my own soul so that if there are times where I need to confront or times where I need to judge, I want to know what those blind spots are. I want to get that eradicated out of my life. Because I want to go in, if I'm going to make this judgment about somebody else, I want to make sure that I've got a clean heart. So we start by needing to ask. And so principle number five is this. Removing the plank from our own eyes starts with asking. It starts with asking. I already said Psalm 139. Verses 23 and 24, he says, Search me, O God, know my heart, test me, know my anxious thoughts, see if there any offensive way in me, and lead me into the way of everlasting. So David says, listen, God, I don't know what's always going buried in my own soul. I don't always see the sin and issues in my life. And so God, search me, test me, try me. I just want to know what it is. 
But it shouldn't stop there, see? A lot of times we'll ask God and say, God, God, what, what's, what's going on in my life? What do I need to deal with? And we'll ask. And, you know, then we walk away from that prayer and we really don't, you know, we don't, we're not really sure what God's trying to say to us. So what does he do next? He says, seek. He said, you start by asking and then you seek. Well, to seek implies a willingness to take action. See, a lot of times, have you ever had somebody ask you for something and you give them the answer, but they don't take any action? I can't tell you the thousands of times that I've done counseling in people's lives and they come in and they say, you know, what's wrong? What do I need to do? And so you tell them, but they don't take any action. And it's like, it's so frustrating. He said, if you don't want to do what I tell you to do, then don't bother asking, okay? And I wonder how God feels like that sometimes when we say, God, I just need to know what you, need, what you want in my life. I, I just want you to reveal this thing in my life. And God's saying, okay, all right, are you going to seek? Are you going to help me with this? Are you going to take some action? See, we can't expect God to just magically remove the sin issues in our lives. It takes a joint effort on our part to search the scriptures and putting ourselves into some kind of accountability. So what Jesus is saying, listen, and it doesn't matter what kind of prayer we're praying. I think in the context here, he's talking about the plank, but I think you can use this principally in any given scenario when we want to know what God's will is for our lives. But he says, look, you need to be a willing person. So principle number six, answers must also rest in the action of the asker. In other words, don't go to God and ask him, God, what's going on in my life? I want to know what your will is, I, I, or I want you to uh, unveil this blind spot. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. And you walk away, and you've not really taken the time in your own life to go to the scriptures, to maybe get counsel, to find some accountability. How is he supposed to necessarily answer that if you're not willing, if you will, to cooperate? You get it? So we start ask, and then we seek. Now, the third principle here in this prayer, he's saying, I want you to knock. I want you to knock. Now, what this really implies is obviously perseverance. In other words, this is sort of a present participle. What he's saying, he says, I want you to keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. Make that a way of life. He's saying, sometimes I, I, when I understand that concept of in 1 Thessalonians where it talks about pray without ceasing... I said, what does that mean? Does that mean that I just go around with my head bowed all day? You know, we'll be walking into walls and, and whatever. But the, the point is, I think what he's trying to say is, is that what we do, prayer is a lifestyle of asking, seeking, and knocking. So principle number seven is this. Planks in our own eyes may require a persistent discipline in order for them to be removed. Have you ever prayed about something in your life? And it's been a habit or an addiction or a situation where you know you've got a sin issue. And you've asked over and over and over again, right? And you've, you're, you're, you've, you've start seeking. You're, you're looking for some accountability. And, and for a period of time, you kind of do okay. You know what I mean? And you seem to be overcoming this. But what happens is, is that when it starts to bite it, come back and bite us again, we stop asking sometimes and we stop seeking and therefore we stop knocking. And so what he's saying here, I think, is really critical. He's saying you need to consistently and persistently hang in there, keep praying about it, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, don't quit. Don't quit. Whatever that issue is going on in your life, don't quit. Don't fall off the wagon here. Let's, let's stay on touch here. Stay in touch with me. 
Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, keep doing whatever it takes. Do your part, be disciplined, stay persistent. Are you an asker? Are you a seeker? And are you a knocker? If you can't do those three things, then we better not be out there judging people. You see what he's saying? I think that's what Jesus is trying to say. Now, like I say, there's a lot of people out there in in the Christian community that have used that scripture to say, well, if you ask, and and he goes on, he says, which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? He said, look, if you ask him for riches, for wealth, he'll give it to you. Or if you ask him for a new car or a new house, he's going to give it to you. You know, if you ask and you seek and you knock. And, And we've taken this, I think, particular scripture out of context when he's really saying, listen, if you sincerely ask me about this particular area of your life, a blind spot, I'm not going to bait and switch you. I'm going to give you exactly what you're asking for. If you're asking for me to really reveal this blind spot, you can bet your bottom dollar that I'm going to provide an answer for you on that issue. I'm not going to give you something else. I'm not going to switch you to some other thing. I'm going to, if you really mean it, if you're really focused, I'm going to make sure that you know exactly what you're getting. You see what he's saying there? He said, you can be, take it to the bank that if you ask me to reveal blind spots in my life, in your life, he said, I'm going to give you the answers. Now, you've got to deal with it. You've got to figure out how you're going to respond to it. So this is not some magic formula. God isn't our cosmic bellhop where we just kind of ring him and we say, okay, God, I'm asking you for all this stuff. No, you better give it to me because you said if I ask for a loaf of bread, you're not going to give me a stone. But wait a minute. Let's go back to the context. Let's go back to what he's saying here. He's saying, if you really sincerely want to know what the sin issues are in your life, I will be faithful to show you exactly what they are. But you better be seeking. You better be knocking along with me. Make sense? I don't know if you've ever seen that scripture before, but for me, it was revolutionary. So principle number eight is this. Remember that every answer that God gives is designed for our best interest. You see, when we ask and we sincerely come to him with humility, because that's what asking really says, I really want to know the answer. You see, I feel like a lot of times we ask God and we really don't want to know the answer. You know what I mean? We don't want to go there. We don't want to get introspective. We don't want to look at the ugly side of our lives. And so we fail to ask. But if we really ask in true humility, it's such a blessing because God is really there and we're confident based upon this particular promise that he will give you exactly what you're looking for. Which is oftentimes not very much fun, right? But do we dare ask? Well, what's really fascinating here, Jesus closes this passage and this is why I see the connection. Jesus closes this passage by saying, what? Do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. Why did he throw that in there? Just for grins? No. Because if you go back to the judge not, or you're going to be judged, he said, is that what you want? If you're going to judge other people, then you're going to do unto others what you want them to do to you. So what you're actually doing is when you're judging others, you're expecting them to judge you back. So you would re- you're better off not judging them in an unsacred capacity because you wouldn't want them to do that to you. So that's why I th- believe that what Jesus was doing here in the Sermon on the Mount is he was using the ask, seek, and knock 
directly in the context of not judging somebody else. So let me ask you some questions here. Because I think that what ordinarily what we find ourselves judging people in an unsacred capacity is that we have our own baggage to deal with. Remember, judging comes from insecurity, right? That's one of the issues. Oftentimes, if you really think about it, the people that you find yourself being critical of the most are the very things that you are struggling with in your own life. Notice that? I didn't get an amen, so... um, (laughs) Too convicting, right? I mean, it's really interesting because we're already, what, sensitized in our own spirit to that issue, right? Somehow, back in the day, maybe we've conquered it. Maybe it was like, you know, we've overcome that. And our first response is, well, I overcame it. Why can't you overcome it? Right? So we've been sensitized to that. We have this emotional baggage that we bring along in our lives. And oftentimes what we are judgmental about other people is something that we too have either struggled with or are struggling with at that point in time. And so they can turn on you immediately and say, why, you hypocrite? You got the same problem I do. Who do you think you are? That ever happened to you? You see, what other people do, and this is what I've seen, when you judge wrongly or inconsistently based upon your own lifestyle, that person oftentimes uses your hypocritical behavior to justify their hypocritical behavior, don't they? Your kids ever do that to you? We, we, you know, if, if, uh, well, they're all a bunch of hypocrites. Well, so are you. But they use that to say, you know what, if, if they're a hypocrite and they call themselves Christians, well, I can be a hypocrite too. It's a big deal. What's the, what's the diff? Does that make sense? Has anybody accused you of being intolerant or judgmental as a Christian? And I guess the question that I have for us this morning is what can we do to dispel this opinion of so many opinion of so many people in our culture today? How do we do that? How do we do that? And it's funny because we, we have been uh, really labeled, I think, in our culture today as intolerant, right? I mean, most Christians and, and, and based on the political scenes here that we've seen lately, it just seems like when you're, if you're a conservative, left-wing or whatever Christian, or right-wing, I'm sorry, Christian, then, then you are somehow, somehow a person who is obviously uh, intolerant, uh, judgmental, condemning, all of that stuff, right? I mean, so aren't we having some of those labels put on us? So we've got to figure out ways that we can penetrate our culture with a consistent enough lifestyle, getting the plank out of our own eyes so that at least the one or two people that we're touching day to day understands that, no, that's not the way Christians really are. The last thing, I want you to think about the time where somebody approached you with what I would call sacred judgment where they've come to you in a way that was gentle and humble and they had a relationship with you that you respected and they came to you and they were honest enough to have that crucial conversation where they could say, you know, brother, there's this issue that I see in your life and I know that I struggled with those same issues and it's really difficult for me to bring this up, but I love you so much 
and I respect you so much, I want to encourage you to just at least give that some thought that that's something in your life that needs to change. How have you responded to that? And you know what, what it's been for me in my life? When somebody comes to me with that and they come to me with that kind of humble attitude, I'm much more responsive, aren't you? Because you know that person loves you. You know that their real, uh, their real attitude towards me is that they, they want to be, uh, they love me and they want to make sure that I'm sort of restored or, or there's this idea of I, I have your best interest in mind. So I trust that sometimes that sometimes when we're so afraid maybe to, to, to go to a brother that we see something going on, that we've looked at their behavior and we said, you know what, there's something wrong with that. That's not right. And that's okay. That's what we would say a sacred judgment is. And so then we can go to that person. And so maybe what God might be saying to you, there might be somebody in your life right now that, that needs that crucial conversation. And, and you need to remember, number one, get the plank out of my own eye. Let's make sure that my heart's right here. And then two, I maybe need to go to them and have that crucial conversation to say, you know what, brother or sister, I love you so much, but this is what I see. And I'm not, I'm, I'm not judging you. I just, I'm just, I want what's best for you and see how God works in that person's life. So that's my challenge to you today. Are you walking the plank? Are you walking the plank? You know, when you go back into a good old swashbuckler pirate movie, you know what the guys did, they had to walk the plank. You know, they did something really foolish. Maybe it was uh, some sort of rebellion or overtaking the, the captain or whatever it was. And so, frankly, they said, you know, your life is over, you can walk the plank. And some of us maybe deserve to walk the plank at times. So let me ask you this as I close. What are your blind spots? Have you thought about your planks? Maybe people have come to you before and said something and you've resisted. And maybe they've even given up on you and, you know, because they feel like, you know what, I'm casting pearls before swine. No matter what I tell them, it just never changes. There's no response. And, and I, I just don't feel like I'm getting anywhere. And I've tried to do it with a gentleness and humble heart. I've tried to do it with, and it's so frustrating. But bottom line is, let's ask, let's seek, and let's knock because God is always faithful to reveal those things in our lives that we're blind to. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning for the sermon that Jesus preached. It's so relevant. It's so right on. And these were your words. So, Father, I pray that all of us would walk away here this morning not being afraid to ask God, what are those things in my life? What are those planks that continually bug me that, I, that I, sometimes I don't even see? And God, I, I, I want so badly to know I'm gonna make an effort on my part to go to your word and to get counsel and to ask others to find out what are those things in my life that need to change? And God, when, 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 I, when I'm inconsistent, when I'm frustrated with it, I pray that I would keep knocking, keep asking, keep seeking because God, you've promised that the door will open. You've promised that you would not give me a loaf of stone when I ask for a loaf of bread. God, challenge us this morning as we think about this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the audio from Cornerstone Church in Prescott, Arizona. For more information, 
visit us online at www.prescottcornerstone.com.